Hey everybody, welcome to episode 121 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for 30 years. This week we talk about 10 tips to help you get permission in an era of zero trust. And we also have a friends finds section at the end with Peter from seconddig.com. That's 2ndig.com. So make sure you stay to the end to listen to Peter's story. It's great. So let's get straight into it. These days, there's generally a feeling no one trusts, particularly landowners or farmers. This is down to the prevalence or over-exuberance around litigation. No farmer is going to let you on their land for fear that you'll hurt yourself and sue them. No landowner is going to let you on their land if you hurt their livestock or if you damage the fields, in effect, if you damage their livelihood. And no amount of insurance is going to protect against that. We also have a situation, particularly in Ireland, where farmers are generally extremely private and don't like letting strangers on their land for various reasons. If you're living in Ireland, you know one of the main reasons, particularly if you drive a van like I do. And I'm not going to mention that, but, you know, there is various reasons why farmers are so security conscious and I don't blame them. You know, in an age of social media and IT and all that, you know, the psyche of the population has moved towards a more security conscious. Oh, my Facebook got hacked. I need to change my passwords. I don't trust this stranger. I don't trust this stranger online because you can't trust anybody online. So that has bled into the persona of landowners for fear that you're going to hurt yourself, hurt the land, reduce the land value and ultimately cost them their livelihood. Totally understandable. So what do you do to get permission in an era of zero trust? Well, to start, I probably should mention the mistakes people make that I have observed, particularly on forums and sites like that or in social media. One mistake that I have mentioned every time I've talked about permissions is carpeting the locality with leaflets and expecting a response. That's no different than sending out a spam email. You might get one to two responses for every hundred you send out. A lot of work. And the one or two responses that you get may not be suitable land at all for detecting. Now, I would say you should only give a leaflet to somebody whose land you want to hunt on. However, this activity of blanketing the whole locality for permission, it doesn't work. It's a lot of work for zero return. Another mistake I see people making is pushing for an answer. They go knock on the door and almost like they're a a door-to-door salesman, they're pushing for an answer. They're pushing for the sale almost begging for permission. That's never going to work. That doesn't build trust. Another mistake that's pretty evident is not following up. And I'll talk about follow-up later on. But not following up. Saying to a farmer, you sleep on that, I'll come back to you in a week or two, and they don't come back in a week or two. Even if the answer is no, and you know the answer is going to be no, you should always follow up. It builds trust. And then finally, not maintaining permissions. we talk about this as well later on. You do all the hard work to get a permission and then you abuse it. You see so many stories online of this. Um, Graham from Unarthed did a great video on it there about two years ago. You should check it out. Um, But yeah, not maintaining your permission, bringing your friends on, not communicating with the farmer, all this stuff. But I'm not perfect myself. I've got out since COVID finished about a year ago. I think I've asked about six or seven farmers with zero return. Looking back, 
in a period of self-reflection, these are the mistakes I think I made in those interactions. So one of the first mistakes I mentioned was the legislation. In my pitch, I would say, you know, metal detecting in Ireland is is not illegal. You may think it's legal, but it's not illegal, blah, blah, blah. And straight away, that made me look untrustworthy. It's not that you don't want to mention the legislation or you shouldn't mention it. It's that straight away you're going, oh, this is not this is not against the law, man. Oh, I'm pretty cool. This is not against the law. Straight away, the farmer is not trusting you. Other mistakes I've made, I think I've mentioned this one before, is jumping out of my van of a big red Volkswagen transporter van, pulling up to a farm and jumping out of the van and going, hey, are we going, blah, blah, blah. Any chance I can metal detect? But the minute they see me jumping out of that van, I suppose I do cut a dodgy looking dash at times, I suppose. Um, So I needed to think about that moving forward. Another mistake I made. I have this beautiful leaflet made with my mobile phone number, my email address, the website to the podcast, pictures of finds I already have, explaining who I am, where I'm from, and I hand it over. And on the back then, it's got agreement to sign around 50-50 and all that. But bringing the leaflet, going up to the farm, talking to whoever comes to the door, whether they're the landowner or not, and saying, listen, are you the the landowner? And they'll go, no, okay. Listen, I'm Kieran. I'd like to metal detect on the land. Can you give this to the landowner and have them send me an out text if they're okay with this? Straight away, I've given them an out and they don't have to respond to me. There is no onus on them to come back to me. So that was a big failing as well. However, it hasn't all been unsuccessful. Even though I got no permissions, I am looking back and, you know, there was a time where I was afraid to ask. There was a time where I didn't want to go knocking on a farmer's door and going, hey, can I metal detect in your land? Just because of all the questions and just talking to a stranger, cold calling. So the fact that I've got out and done that in the last year is good. I just need to keep plugging away and it'll happen, right? So I have done this stuff. I've gone, I've done the cold calling. I've done my leaflet, knocked on the doors. I've done the process. And like anything, the more you do it, the more skin you build up to getting a no. And that's fine. Expect to get a no. But anyways, these are the 10 things. I actually think I have 12 things here, but these are the 10 things you can do to help you get permission in an era of zero trust. Number one, play the long game. We're talking about relationship management here. Don't expect an answer immediately. Leave it with them. Flyer's good. Don't pressure for an answer. Say hello every time you see them. Ask them how their day is going. Say hello down the pub or at the local football game. Be present in their lives. Now, I don't mean show up on Valentine's Day with a big bunch of flowers and, and um, chocolates. Just be visible when your paths cross. You want the landowner or the farmer, when asked, who's that weirdo saying hello to you all the time, for them to go, oh, that's the metal detecting guy. He's looking for permission to the metal detect on the farm. That's what you want. You want to be in their psyche as someone they know. If you're someone they know, and is regular around the place, you're someone they can trust. Number two, in relation to the mistakes I made, don't leave it to them to respond or expect them to leave a message for the farmer or landowner and expect them to come back to you. If you're not talking to the owner, come back when you can. So if you knock on the door and the person you're talking to is not the landowner, make your goodbyes, be very pleasant, and ask when would be more appropriate to come back to talk to the actual landowner. 
Don't leave a flyer. Don't leave anything. Just say you'd like to talk to the landowner and get that. And then do come back when the landowner is there and do have the conversation. Number three, never say dig. Always say metal detect. Maybe a sin of omission, but dig equals damage and damage equals hassle for a landowner or a farmer. Number four, and this is because I've made this mistake, never mention the law or legislation unless they ask. Obviously, obey the law if you're finding something. However, in a zero trust era, the thoughts of someone bringing the authorities onto your land is a major blocker for landowners. They don't want the hassle. They don't want people from the state traipsing around their property. They don't want any of that. If they ask what potentially can happen, obviously spell it out for them. They should know this anyways. I actually have it included in my leaflet. So if they want to read the leaflet, they'll see it. It's not like you're saying, like in Ireland, oh, I need to ring the authorities within 72 hours and and the guards will come out and have a look at the site and they may bring an archaeologist with them and blah, 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 blah. Hassle. All the farmer is hearing is hassle, 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 blah, 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 hassle, 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 blah, 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 blah. Cross that bridge when you get to it. Have it on the leaflet or agreement that you've produced. They can put two and two together themselves. You don't need to be explicitly going into a big drama production around what would happen if something major were to be found. Number five, be pleasant, even in rejection. They may sleep on the idea and give you a thumbs up the next time you ask. And that brings me to point number six. Follow up. The fortune is in the follow up. Just like when you ask, is the farmer or landowner there? No. When are they there? Okay, I'll come back then. Always follow up. Even if you get rejected, give them the leaflet and say, hey, totally understand. Here's my leaflet in case you reconsider. I might check in with you in a couple more weeks. Or if, if I see you down the football club, I might just check in with you to see if, you're, if you've changed your mind or if you slept on it. The fortune is in the follow up. Always follow up. Number seven, bring proof. That might be your detector. It might be typical finds you find. Mention other permissions as proof. So when you go up to ask, have a couple of finds in your pocket, even have your detector by your side and be willing to name drop other permissions that other landowners have given you. You can be sure all the landowners within a 20 mile radius all know each other. Number eight, it probably should be the most important point and probably should be number one. But don't be afraid to ask. If you don't ask, you're not getting permission. You're sitting on your ass looking at the wall. You need permissions. You need to ask. What's the worst they can say? No, it does get easier to hear no. And it's not personal. Don't be driving away thinking that they're going to be thinking about this loser. I just had to say no to. They're going to say no and you're going to be forgotten about within five, ten minutes. So don't take it personal. Take it on the chin and move on to the next one. It's a numbers game. Number nine, and like I was saying about making sure you're speaking to the landowner, do it face-to-face, missionary style, with the landowner, whisper in their ear and say, can I detect on your pastures? (laughs) Seriously, if you're face-to-face, it's very hard to say no, especially if you're equipped, ready to go. So like point number seven, rock up with your finds, with your detector by your side, very hard for them to say no if you're face-to-face. And number 10, something I was guilty of myself this year, don't ambush a landlord when they are going about their business on the land. You're a nuisance at this time. 
they're trying to get the fields ploughed or crop taken in. They do not want to be stopping to talk to some langer, as they say, we say in court, some langer rocking up, big mocky heading them saying, oh, can I battle the your life? Pick and choose your moments. Like if they're standing on the road or beside the machine, that could be the perfect time. If they're wrapping up from a successful day, catch them. It's all about timing. It is an art form in itself, doing a cold call when a farmer is working a field. But don't do it when the farmer is in the middle of ploughing the field and you're standing there waiting for the tractor to come your way. Believe me, I've made that mistake. (laughs) It's a a long wait. (laughs) Um, Number 11, so more than 10 points. Number 11, maintain permissions. Like I said, the mistakes that people make, maintain your bloody permissions. It's not hard. Show the farmer your fines. Give them a choice. Give them a Christmas gift. If it's something that you found on the land that they may like, put it in a frame. Give it to them for Christmas. They'd love that. It adds providence to their land. Buy him a beer if you see him down the pub. Don't bring anybody else on the land without their permission. Your the permission is for you and you alone. You've established a relationship with that farmer. The farmer has eventually decided to trust you. You do not bring someone else that they don't know onto the land without first talking to the farmer. And that can strain the trust if you do this. You need to have a lot of trust built up with the farmer for him to even consider this. Communicate with the farmer. Tell him when you're on the fields, when you're off the fields, what you found. Worst thing you could possibly do is just rocking up, detecting and rocking out. And all the farmer can see is brown smudges all over their fields where you were digging. So they know you were there. They'll know you were there anyways. They'll look out the windows. They'll see. They'll get word off the grapevine that, oh, there's some fellow detecting on your fields. And he'll go, I know, I know. That's Kieran. He's fine. However, communicate with the farmer. Let him know when you're on. Let him know when you're finished and what you found. Even if it's just a, a picture text message to show him everything you found. And most importantly, when maintaining permission is Obey the country code if it's applicable. Close gates. Don't mess with livestock. If there's a bull in the field, stay away from them. You know the story. You can look it up online what the country code is in relation to your own locality. And in the final point, number 12, so 12 points. Bonus, two bonus points. Become part of the community. Don't be a stranger to the people in the community because the more people you know, the bigger network you have, the bigger the network you have, the more likely it is you'll get permissions. Get involved in the local sports teams, get involved in the local history groups, even if it's playing music down the local pub, whatever. Just become part of the community. If you're married or your partner or you've got kids, this actually becomes a lot easier because your opportunities are multiplied, especially if if you've got kids. Kids have a way of making sure you're injected into the community whether you like it or not so become part of the community and permissions will happen for you talk about your hobby talk about it whenever you can i've been in committee meetings and mentioned oh yeah i'm going detecting the weekend oh you metal detect yeah yeah oh geez i have a house you could metal detect around cool i'll be there that's how it works it's about being willing to talk about it being part of the community and be trustworthy And that's the 12 points to help you get permission in an era of zero trust. Up next, we have Peter from Second Dig. That's 2NDDig.com, who's going to tell us about his favorite find. Hey, Kieran, it's Peter with Second Dig. 
I've been listening to your excellent podcast for at least two years, usually on Saturday mornings on my way to the hunt. Uh, I'm semi-retired and I live in eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, I've been detecting for a little over two years and my best find was in May of 2021 while I was detecting in a large farm field along a tree line. I was using, using my Knox 800 with a stock 11 inch coil that I only typically use in large open fields. It's just too heavy for me. <laughs> I, I mostly use the MindLab six inch coil. It's lighter and more precise. But that day, as usual, I found a lot of cans and pull tabs, uh, bits of iron from farming equipment, etc. But late in the day, I got a very clean, sharp tone. It rang up about a 33 at a depth of six inches. So after some digging, I uncovered a 241-year-old Spanish coin, a half real, also known as a half bit. So I've been back to the site several times and found some horse tack, but no more coins yet. I will go back very soon uh, because that field was plowed this past spring. So anyway, that's it. That's my best find so far. Uh, you can watch the video recording of that find and others at my blog, secondig.com. So thanks, Kieran. I really appreciate the opportunity to share, and I look forward to your weekly podcasts. Thanks, Peter. That was great. I really loved that. See, it's easily done. Everybody, get on with it. But thanks to Peter, we figured out that there's a limit of a minute and a half of the message. So bear that in mind. When you go to themetaldetectingshow.com, the speak pipe widget is something that pops up on the right-hand side of the screen if you're on a desktop. And if you're on mobile, it comes up in the bottom right-hand corner. So check it out. You have to give access to your microphone and you just start talking. And everything else is taken care of. You might have to fill in an old form in to say your email address, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, see, it's very easy. It's great. You want to hear about more finds? Send me more stories. And that's it, guys. I hope you like this episode. Get out there. Good luck. Be pleasant and happy hunting.